Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This episode of the Cult Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credits scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshire. All right, that fancy music that I presume you're putting in different music um, uh, means that it's time for... Yeah, I'm impressed that you remember. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's time for Cult Popture Oscar season, a little bit later than usual because uh, <laughs> there was a global pandemic that um, that delayed everything yeah, significantly. Sorry. Yeah, sorry about our it. bad. <laughs> yeah, so what we're doing is this is part one of our oscars cheat sheet uh we're going through and watching all the films nominated for best picture and normally we do this in one episode but we thought hey why not do it in two you know what's the rush uh the oscars aren't till the till the end of april so pff, who cares yeah and i think as well I, I love doing our annual oscar episodes because it brings in a couple of um traditions that we don't usually do year round with cold popture one of being watching exclusively good movies to mm. talk about <laughs> uh, good movies for a change and uh the second one is bringing in um our sometimes co-host maybe the most sometimes of all the co-hosts <laughs> we have uh because he only ever comes in to talk to us about oscars uh it's aaron richardson hey aaron hey guys how, how you are doing you, the mm. Frequently infrequent collaborator. Uh, and despite what his last name may imply, he is not my son. <laughs> Nor is he rich. Mm. Now, this would be a great way to segue into talking about The Father, which is nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> That's We're going to be covering that next uh, on the next episode. Um, so <laughs> the, 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 and it's 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 totally like the dad vote of the Oscars this oh, year. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to watch The Father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's this year's... I've got no interest. Uh, uh, Darkest Hour or the, Ford yeah, v Ferrari. It feels more like... The second best exotic Marigold Gold Hotel got nominated for Best right. Picture. That's what. That's the mood. That's the vibe. I, <laughs> I don't know, man. It. I watched that movie pretty recently, and um, I don't think it's a natural choice for fathers, particularly. Maybe mothers. Definitely <laughs> mothers. Oh, okay. But yeah. probably, probably not fathers. Oh, all right. So well, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. So no, no more spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. That's already spoilers enough. <laughs> For, that was for Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, right? The second one. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, the first oh. one's definitely... Uh, <laughs> the fathers love the first one. The yeah. second one's totally is yeah. a big shift. <laughs> so the eight, there's, <laughs> there's eight films nominated for Best Picture this year. Uh, that is The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, randomly chosen, essentially, <laughs> to be the four we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about Mank, Minari, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, three of the... Two, so Mank and Chicago Seven are on Netflix, if you're uh, listening to this and want to watch along. And... Um, Depending on where you are, but most places in the world, Sound of Metal is on Amazon Prime. Uh, and then Minari is available on video on demand or possibly in a cinema near you. So do we want to do we want to create like an order that we talk about these? Um, do we want to go like worst to best? We do that sometimes. I think it's also important to to to, to maybe explain what a cheat sheet is, and because in case people have forgotten what the what the purpose of us talking yeah. about the Oscar nominees this year is, because mm. I don't think we, te- mm. I technically mm. don't think we mm. did a cheat sheet mm. last time. We did the time before that. I don't know if we did for this time. Um, but essentially, what this is 
is this is if you want to sound like you know movies you know film you're a you're a bit of a cinephile <laughs> um but you have you just don't have the time to watch all of the oscar uh best picture nominees this year we're going to watch them for you and tell you what to think yeah essentially we're going to give you th- three potentially differing opinions on each of the oscar films so that if you're at a dinner party and someone's talking about minari you can be like oh well here's my opinion of minari despite having never seen it that's mm. the point of the cheat sheet it's yeah. just in two parts this year yeah so uh yeah do, when we do the the netflix uh, christmas specials which is a similar thing but for bad movies <laughs> um what we'll often do is say okay let's let's all on the count of three say what we thought was the worst one and then we'll work our way up to the best one so and i i and i'm i think this we might actually all be in agreement but um uh, the way I would rank these four, we're talking about Minari, Chicago Seven, Mank, and Sound of Metal. Yeah, and I've, I've got a definitive ranking, I think. But all right, on the count of three, let's talk about what we think is the weakest, worst feels harsh, but the the weakest of, of these the four, first of four. these first four films. Okay, three, yeah. two, one, Mank. Mank. Yeah. It's Mank. Oh, it's it is Mank. Mank. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen all of them, but I'm sure it's probably the worst of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's in contention with The Father for me. <laughs> I have such low expectations for The Father. No, The, the Father <laughs> for me, again, not having seen it, um, The Father is one of those, uh, of course it'll be good, Yeah, <laughs> but I just don't want to have right. to watch it, you know? Yeah, um, and also yeah. it'll appeal to someone, whereas like mm. I can't imagine who's sitting around thinking that Mank is the best movie at the Oscars this year. Mm. Well, statistically speaking... It was kind of a surprise speaking, nomination, wasn't it? No, no. When this film was announced three years ago, it was going to be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. That right, was never okay, up for debate. Enough. It's an old Hollywood film about Hollywood directed by David Fincher starring Gary Oldman. And it's... So, so yeah, to, to, to kind of um, give you an overview of what it's about, this is a, a kind of biopic... Um, of Herman J. Mankiewicz, who wrote Citizen Kane, and it's kind of about... But then it's also about, like, the politics of the era. Uh, yeah, it, it's... My main complaint, first off, would be that it's unfocused. Mm. And David Fincher, I've said before, is my favourite director. Maybe not anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, geez. Uh, he is... Yeah, he's normally... He's known for being such a focused director demanding you know hundreds of takes from his actors and then to release a movie like this which is just so all over the place uh, yeah that, that struck me as really strange you'd have to say that the problems though in that respect probably stem from the script more than anything right mm. and who's the person who wrote the script it was his brother it was his father right um who, who's who passed away in 2004 yeah so don't fucking speak ill of the dead Aaron. <laughs> oh god this is why I we're gonna be on once a year <laughs> um no but you know what i mean like the, the the unfocused nature of it right it presumably comes from the script and like you know what it chooses to cover and mm. encapsulate right so it's sort of hard i 100 eh? agree aaron um and i would actually argue the directing is great the directing's well, and, awesome. It's the script. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. This has the most nominations, and it feels like one of those. Yeah, it's 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 very competent in every category, um, but you know, not the best. And I I could see it taking home a few technical awards because David Fincher, like the 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 aim of this movie is clearly like if in you know two years after Citizen Kane Kane came out they were like let's make a movie about the guy who wrote it this is what that movie would look like obviously it stars more modern people including Bill Nye the science guy um who has a random little cameo on the film um wait when's he in it uh he plays the politician I didn't know I didn't notice um yeah he plays the politician what's his name um the democrat or the republican uh Upton Sinclair the one that like the whole film was about it's democrat right the like uh, communist yeah yeah he's a democratic part oh. yeah um but yeah fun fact yeah it's got bill nye the science guy in it for some reason Hello. i think he actually might be related to upton sinclair and that's why something like that anyway now bill nye's just a just a communist <laughs> <laughs> insisted on playing the yeah. role but but like so so even down to so down to the one of the things that and it's nominated for best sound the new best sound award because they've decided to consolidate editing and mixing into one award now it uh, does like it, it makes a very 
distinct choice with its sound mixing. I'm not sure it's the best one, but it's 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 definitely the one that like it's nominated because it's like you've made a choice, good on you kind of thing. Because it has this mm. this like compression on it and it's maybe, you know, t- to the untrained ear, you might not notice it so much, but it's this weird, like it sounds like a 1940s film, which is like, it's a cool thing. But then I've, I've heard some people say that they found it distracting. Um, but then it's like he went through all this effort, shot in black and white. And there's this whole, there's some interesting behind the scenes stuff when you see um, that, you know, like shooting for black and white isn't just, shooting a film and then putting a filter on it it's like you actually have to light everything differently and it's, it's a whole different style of filmmaking um but then he still just shot it on digital and it's in widescreen yeah it's weird to do to make that choice and then not like follow through on yeah. it fully right yeah. i i totally didn't notice the sound isn't that funny i edit this podcast i listen back to audio for several hours a week and yeah. halfway through the movie i was like isn't this movie supposed to have weird sound <laughs> <laughs> um but i i also think i'm going deaf which would be a great segue into talking about uh the sound of metal if this were at an appropriate time to do mm. so uh, but it's not <laughs> but alas it is not hey speaking about the sound category mm. i only just noticed that because i was looking up the nominations last night i feel like we've spent many years bitching about how stupid it is that there's two sound yeah. things but then when i finally saw the category best sound i was like what does that mean yeah that, like it, it's so much stupider <laughs> yeah, like, it sounds like it, it should be i mean because you could say best sound design feels like but it's just like best sound and yeah. it's like it the nominees good. are a fart noise. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's like a single sound from a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like when they used to- one moment. Yeah. They used to give it to like a studio for all like yeah. best sound. <laughs> Frankly, a fart noise was snubbed, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. So, Mank, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just something that just didn't grab me. It was like- it, it it feels like you're not paying attention to it yeah. i think like i started the movie and it starts with like gerald and he's in bed he's like halfway through the writing and it like has a kind of non-linear structure and i was just like what is going on mm. it like it feels like you walked into the cinema late and i was watching it at home and i pressed play and then i was like what? oh my gosh no yeah. abs- absolutely it's it's hard to follow i don't understand what's happening at several points in the movie and um, I, I gave this for, for, for like I was quite um, I was talking to you guys in our group chat about it while I was watching it and I was kind of dunking on it and then by the time it ended I gave it like three and a half stars mm. on Letterboxd because there are individual scenes where I'm like oh it's Fincher hello Fincher here you mm. are like like the scene where um, where Mank is drunk and pitches Citizen Kane to the entire dinner mm. party I was like this is a David Fincher scene and then you know so looking back i remember these great moments but combined together it just feels like a series of very loosely related scenes um and, and that they don't have any like connective tissue or larger point to make yeah that's very true actually it made yeah it, it, i reckon i was probably like a third of the way through the movie when i was like what's what's the point why does this mm. movie exist and it really mm. like it was the first time i'd watched a movie and been like why do we wake movies? Like, <laughs> are they even good? <laughs> and I, like, it wasn't like when I finished it. Like, I actually think the last scene kind of almost rescues it when he's accepting the Academy Award. Yeah, yeah, that was my. That was yeah, same thing. That, yeah, that was interesting. If it wasn't yeah. for that scene, I'd be like, that was a garbage fire of a movie. But then this, it's one line of dialogue. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh that's time. what the movie's about. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's remember, like, do you remember the line? What's the line, sorry. Nah, I can't remember the uh, line. He's 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 accepting the Academy Award, and because there's the whole back and forth between him and Orson Welles kind of thing, um, because Orson Welles gets credit. They're for fighting the, for credit. Over yeah, they're the, fighting fighting for credit over who who wrote it. And um, Mankiewicz is is accepting the award, and and Orson Welles isn't there, and he's like, this award's being accepted in the same way that Citizen uh, Citizen K was written with the absence of Orson Welles. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, and the weird thing about that final scene, I reckon, is like it feels like it was sort of tacked on in a way, but it, somehow it rescues the film. It's almost as if like maybe it didn't exist in the first draft, and then Finch was like, "Yeah, this 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 film ain't looking too good. How do we uh, rescue this oh, yeah. bad boy?" 
do you know what this film does have a the director doesn't have faith in it vibe to it and i reckon (laughs) i don't know how to explain it better than that and i wonder if it is like he's like making this film and he's like i'm doing it for dad yeah and he maybe doesn't get get the screenplay as much as his father did yeah and so there's, there's a disconnect and i can feel that disconnect yeah um, but so just to wrap up, I'll, I'll tell you guys, I'll say what it's, what it's nominated for, uh, best picture, best director for Fincher, best actor for Gary Oldman, actress, supporting actress, sorry, for Amanda Seyfried, best sound, best cinematography, production design, costume design, and makeup and hairstyling. And actually should mention, um, one like very positive thing I have to say about it is it's nominated for, uh, best original score for Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who have been doing fantastic work for the last decade since they first partnered with Fincher for the social network. But their whole kind of shtick is that they're known for, you know, synths and very kind of like modern new wave music. And they did the entire score for this film on period appropriate instruments. And so it's, you know, like it's, it's again, it's that kind of thing of like, this is the film they would have made when the film is set. And so these guys, masters of their craft being throwing themselves this massive curveball. Um, I don't think they'll win for Mank, but they're probably going to win the Oscar um, because they're also nominated for Soul and that has an incredible score. Um, but either or, they'll win. Same people, yeah. two separate nominations. Yeah, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Do we know if that's happened before? They beat themselves for the globe. Um, and I'm sure it will have happened before at some point. But I'm, I'm sure um, John Williams is like probably half of his losses <laughs> are himself. I tell yeah. himself. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel. I feel like um, the there have been people who have been nominated in separate categories. Like mm. someone's been nominated for both both lead actor and and supporting actor mm. in one year. Yeah, happened. Uh, happened last year with Scarlett Johansson. True. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but also, Soul is Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John Baptiste um who's uh Stephen colbert's um like music guy but he did all the jazz and then trent reznor and atticus ross did all the um like the ethereal other world kind of score so it was cool anyway so that's mank that's mank the the movie that uh, oh, i should also say i should have mentioned this early um i haven't seen citizen kane oh yeah so and you i've haven't watched either. this no, whole movie no i haven't either haven't you? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So yeah, watch this movie not having seen yeah. the and and like if it wasn't for you, Richard, I would assume that's what I'm not getting. Mm. Like I'd assume like you kind of have to see Citizen. Well, the, and, and the, I've it. I've read reviews that say like it, the movie requires you to have seen Citizen Kane too much, and I, I've watched Citizen Kane within the last year. I I guess start on a podcast about it, um, and it's like eh, I I. <laughs> If you're a big fan of Citizen Kane, there's probably like little things that went over my head um, that you'd pick up on, but I, I don't think it's going to fundamentally change your viewing experience, kind of thing. And I don't think it should for a film, right? Yeah. You shouldn't you shouldn't create a film that's like you'll only get it if you've seen the greatest movie of all time, and mm. if you haven't, you're all dweebs. We don't care about you, dweeb. <laughs> so you're, you're essentially describing um, Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, next next film. Um, now this one I feel like might be controversial, but three, oh no, Hold two, on. one, Chicago here. Oh. What did you guys say? I said Minari. I said Minari. AJ, uh, uh, Aaron said trial the Chicago Seven. Um, wow. Hey, well, two to one, baby. We go on Minari, yeah. right? Okay, so I will <laughs> say like my level of enjoyment the leap from mank to minari is like astronomical yeah, yeah. yeah. the these three are like the, the other three we have to talk about are all very close together i loved minari interesting i don't know if i'd say i loved it but i, I liked it more than Mank. yeah um so aaron and i actually went to see this together in a cinema we set yeah, a little art house boutique theater together got an ice cream together oh, yeah <laughs> let's compare that to my viewing experience which was um on my laptop that is days away from imploding and on itself uh and twice during the movie the laptop crashed and i had to restart <laughs> and no subtitles um, and you don't speak korean <laughs> no, it did have subtitles but they were very small um and i watched it with my flatmates and 
ever I've, i'm sure i've brought this up on the podcast before there used to be like an anti-piracy ad that played on dvds that'd be like bill's dvd mm. works bob's dvd doesn't i love that and man. i always feel like bob's dvd doesn't whenever i watch <laughs> <laughs> movie nights because it's always either using like my shitty laptop That's or so a dodgy streaming service i love how much bob's family get like just infuriated <laughs> <laughs> yeah bill's dvd makes sense Bob's doesn't. It's like someone speaking a different language. Yeah, it is. Which is what Minari yeah. was. There you go. Doesn't make sense. That's my that's my review. Didn't <laughs> make, it was in another language or something. I couldn't understand it. <laughs> Didn't get it. Um so uh Minari is uh, directed by Lee Isaac Chung. It stars Stephen Yun, um, who's nominated for an Academy Award for his performance, which is um first Asian American to 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 be nominated. And so it's it's the story of South Korean immigrants who um, you know, to try and achieve the American dream. They moved to uh, rural America during the 1980s and it's um, the the patriarch of the family, played by Stephen Yun, is trying to start a farm uh, growing uh, Korean vegetables. Um, and, and it's very like... I did not pick up that this is set in the 1980s. Funny. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's nominated for six uh, awards: best picture, best director, best actor for Stephen Yeun, uh, best supporting actress for um, I need to look at her name, the woman who Yoon plays Yoon the grandma. Um, yeah, who plays the, the, it grandma. Is the grandma? Okay, yeah. yeah, and she's incredible in this film. So um, good. Yeah, yeah. and it's also yeah, there's one more. It's nominated for six awards and Wikipedia tells you explicitly what five of them are. Um, and then you have to go. <laughs> but he won't tell you the go sixth. Go further to look for what the sixth one is. Uh, original score. Um, not wanting that one. Sorry. Um, anyway, Minari. <laughs> what do you guys think of the film? Oh, man. It was, yeah, it was so good. Um, it's sort of, yeah, small, intimate tale, um, quite different to, like, I would say, probably the other end of the spectrum to Mank. Mm. Um, and I think that kind of filmmaking appeals to me definitely, that kind of like small tale, like human tale about these people struggling. Um, yeah, I really thought the lead, the performances particularly were fantastic. Um, yeah, particularly the the sort of father, you know, you get this sort of sense of, I don't know, yeah, I kind of connected really, really strongly with his sense of like wanting to make something of his life and kind of the frustrations of uh, he and his wife have been working as like chicken or... Chicken sexes. Yeah, chicken sexes, which, which is, as far as you, I can tell yeah. look, is just like looking at chicks' buttholes yeah. <laughs> for like eight hours <laughs> a day. Acres. yeah. And just sorting them by by um, by sex. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. there was there was something I really connected to the film. I think was his yeah his kind of frustration and also the his inability to realize that like he's damaging his family by pursuing his dream. Mm. And also and and also it's worth mentioning as well that um, Stephen Yeun is doing this in uh, his is in not his first language because he actually yeah english is his first language um and he's only really picked up korean later in life um because apparently there's a film i make called burning a couple of years ago and people kind of criticized that or not not criticized but you know comment on the fact that he's kind of speaking like broken korean a little bit so to do like a a feature film and like fluent uh korean you know full credit to him uh, and it's like i've heard i've seen um you know korean um people say that like oh yeah there's there's some words where his accent like slips a little bit but it's only like if you're from the area that you yeah know, yeah, yeah. well but, that's pretty yeah. impressive hey eh? i can i can barely act in the language that i uh, speak every day <laughs> <in>. <laughs> um but yeah and i think because uh, because this is what we kind of spoke about after the movie is that the, uh, i love that the academy is is now recognizing these performances that are just very lived in and well realized characters they don't need to have an oscar scene anymore like the uh, there there is a couple of ones where it's like oh yeah no that's 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 a really good scene but it does they don't have to blow up and have this big moment of of yelling or crying or something like that it's just like yep this is i fully Mm. believe 
this character. Yeah, this is a human being who exists. Particularly, the I think the grandma that kind of struck me is like, this is not like a likable character particularly. Yeah. Like she's kind of selfish, a little bit like mean and just like, yeah, like- Just the, all around crass. Yeah, yeah. She's not like a typical grandma and she's not like a typical- She's not a real grandma. That's a line in the <laughs> yeah. film. Well, that's the thing, eh? But also, yeah, it's not like a typical performance either where you're like, you know, it's really kind of bombastic. It's just like- yeah, she like like you say, Richard. She just you know inhabits this kind of crazy grandma. Yeah, know? it's one of those like I, I I would be surprised if I met her and she wasn't like that yeah. because that that's just how like lived in it feels. Yeah, but I I, I don't reckon she would be like that. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure she's yeah. I'm sure she's lovely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I reckon she's an actress. Um, I I yeah, I don't know. I I think the the acting the ensemble acting in this film like commands a nomination i wasn't blown away by steven yun specifically though and um and uh, listening to you guys talk about it um without me like entering the conversation being able to get a word in yeah yeah um has sort of changed my perspective a little bit on it because i guess i was waiting for that oscar scene not and that is a regressive way and a stupid way to look at good acting but i think at the same time it's like how do you judge like like for example the grandma a fantastic performance Mm. i thought and i I totally understand why she's nominated Mm. and she doesn't really have an oscar scene either it's just a very specific character whereas um, I don't know if I necessarily got that from Stephen Yoon's performance, and I don't even know if I'd say Stephen Yoon is the lead actor in the film. I found really it, it's the son. It felt more like it was the son's story, mm. and you know, do you not nominate little kids for Oscars? I don't know what the what the situation. Twelve is and up, I think, like, is uh, the predominant feeling, isn't it? What was yeah. what's the youngest ever winner? Was it eight or twelve? Uh, I because it was Anna Paquin, right? Joel Osment. No. No, it was like um, uh, the the youngest ones I can think of are Haley Joel Osment, Anna Paquin, and Keisha Castle Hughes. Uh, Quinzavali Wallace was like eight, right? She was only nominated. Well, that kid wouldn't be In eight, what? would he? Uh, Beast of Southern Wild. All right. No, well, I don't know. I don't know if that that matters, but it's still <laughs> significant that it's a by a very a very convincing bilingual performance from a little boy yeah um, is that who, who also feels like the the center of the story not not as badly as i think other weird nominations that for actors the oscars have yeah. had when they determine the difference between lead and supporting um it does feel more like there just is no lead but if i had to pick whose story it is i would have thought it was the sons more than the yeah I, well, but i mean steven yun's and the majority of the film kind of thing. like it's definitely like it's not worth getting hung up on there, I think. But and also, I think all my feelings are valid, Richard. <laughs> I, um, I think it is. But no. this is an interesting thing as well that, like, you you think about the the kind of performances that win supporting actor to lead actor, and it's like, and I think it's like, and you know, you talk about like character actors, and it's like they kind of get to play the more fun characters in some ways. Those ones that are like, wow, this is such a big caricature, but it feels really real whereas gary oldman and Mac. yeah but yeah. there's bob well, he's he's yeah. the lead actor on that but um but like oh, that steven yun is like yeah he he grounds the film with like this very sure. very real performance so and that's why like you know the the kid works even though it's not a perfect performance it's a, a incredible child performance but you know like yeah <laughs> i've got some tips uh- <laughs> <laughs> um and like the grandma being a little bit pushing the boundary a little bit more um but yeah, it's it's just a very very solid performance and and film. Yeah, if I had to pick his Oscar scene though, I reckon it's probably that one where he's like sitting outside of where they like take their kids to the chicken sexing factory for the first time, and he like takes his kid outside and is like sitting there smoking and like talking to him about like kind of what it means to be a man almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like if that was if there was a scene in there that was like the Oscar scene, I reckon that's probably the scene. Mm. Even though like it's obviously very understated, but I think it kind of sets up the crux of what the movie is mm. kind and of also, about. And that that relationship as well. Because part of what Stephen Yeun's doing that makes the performances so incredible is facilitating that out of this child as well. Mm. And and being this mm. oh, and, and all the other actors in the film. Yeah. As well. yeah. But but that you know, he can have these scenes with 
you know, however old, however old the kid is. Um, and yeah. yeah, like like he he's kind of doing the heavy lifting to to help that performance along. Uh, I thought that the Oscar scene was when um, his wife like gives him the ultimatum after the guy's like, yeah, we'll do business with you. Let's mm. start next week. And she's like, you have to choose between the family or the farm. Um, but one other thing I wanted to say about the grandma's acting as well, and this is big, big spoilers for Minari, if you did mm. want to see it, um, that I think maybe why she's been nominated is less because the character is so fun and enjoyable to, to watch, but also because she has a stroke three quarters of the way through the movie and her performance completely yeah evolves to a to a brand new character yeah. almost yeah um and i so i think that's probably yeah the, sure. the the it's the obvious acting nomination for the movie mm. i think in my opinion but yeah what else the, the, just to, talking about the, the film as a whole now i i did find um i had a similar thing when i watched my neighbor totoro and maybe it is like a east versus west storytelling kind of thing is that there's like this overwhelming sense of dread throughout the movie. Like they have uh, they mm. a, a next door neighbor who's a little bit quirky, but he, he's this religious guy yeah. and they see him dragging a giant cross every Sunday. And I was like, he's going to be KKK or something. He's going to be burning these crosses. Or he's going to molest the kid. Yeah, like like, just, like anything <laughs> like this. And then um, you keep like expecting like, you know, them to be victims of some horrific race thing or something to go horribly wrong and the things do go wrong throughout the film but it's it's more of like about you know triumph the human spirit and ingenuity and stuff like that and but then obviously something you know spoilers not not going too deep into spoilers but something horrible does happen um and it was kind of this cathartic release for me to be like oh finally <laughs> oh thank god it wasn't what i thought oh, it was finally going. <laughs> dreams are destroyed <laughs> yeah it was it was when they sent when they were angry at the little kid for making the grandma drink pee and they were like go outside and get a bigger stick for us to hit you with mm. and then there was the scene of of the little kid in the dark like looking for a stick and i was like oh my god a coyote's gonna yeah. get him yeah. well and also because because they the the kid has a heart problem he has a, a murmur in mm. his heart and they keep talking about like oh yeah oh, don't run don't run and it's and it's it's set up uh, multiple times but then it, it ends up paying off in a positive way um and also i think i mean i do think the tragedy of it like the tragedy in the movie sort of does take you by surprise or it certainly took me by surprise because there are so many setups and like other directions you're yeah. you're not like mm. oh it's gonna be it's gonna be the grandma that's yeah. what's gonna happen yeah it, it is um it is interesting yeah the, um as well just just a, a similar to me final kind of thought on something interesting on this film this was uh, nominated for the for best foreign film in um at the golden globes it's not in um in the oscars it's not eligible for the oscars but I, the golden globes award is specifically like best film in a foreign language and so it can be an american film in a foreign language i think the baftas are the same um and there was all this outcry from people being like this is the fucking most american film of the year and it's like it, it is it's about the american yeah. dream and and you know if you if you want to say that america is like a melting pot of diversity it's like yeah these are the stories you should be telling um and the farewell last year had a similar thing um where it's like it's it was entirely in, in mandarin but it's um it was an american production so it couldn't be nominated for that and then it didn't the farewell didn't end up getting nominated for best picture um and so yeah they kind of like leave them in this weird in between space but yeah it's just interesting that that how these rules kind of fall because this is an american production it just happens to all be in yeah and the sort of i guess the nature of how the u.s film industry sees itself right you Mm. know yeah exactly yeah that's racism right that's the main problem is that it's oh it's in a different language so therefore it's it's a foreign film Mm. you know because even even the oscars have rebranded best foreign film to best international film this year to kind of acknowledge I think it's a good move, probably. Mm. Yeah, because well, well, um, when when Alfonso Cuarón won yeah. um, best foreign film for Roma, he's like, "Oh, I grew up watching foreign films like The Godfather and Jaws," <laughs> <laughs> um, which is yeah, great. But um, uh, yeah, so that is Minari. I uh, yeah, I'd say two thumbs up. It, it's it's a, it's a very it's a quiet film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but next film to talk about. Everyone got their tip of their tongues. I can only mm-hmm. pick from the two that are left, right? Yeah. 
and, cool. <laughs> and, and, I know I know what Aaron's gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, three, two, one. Trial, Trial of the Chicago, Chicago Seven. Trial of the Chicago Seven. Now again, fucking loved Trial of the Chicago Seven. Loved it. So loved good. it. Oh, blown away by it. We have talked about this one a little bit already on the uh, most uh, what disappointing films of 2020, which for those who aren't in the know is just what we call our year long wrap up of films we weren't disappointed by it um but yeah i i loved i loved Sh- trial of chicago 7 i watched it so late in the game so far after anyone you know it was a few months after mm. it had come out i'd heard kind of middling things about it yeah people oh yeah it's good and then watched it <laughs> yeah i'd heard i'd seen the whole like uh, i think we brought this up before but like Aaron Sorkin is too good of a writer to be paired with a director as bad as Aaron Sorkin. Um, which is, <laughs> it's to, I, I still don't get that. I don't get why. I be, I would love for someone to tell me why it's bad directing. It, it, it's it's competently directed. There's nothing yeah. impressive mm. about it, but you know, it, it's it fits the story it needs to tell. There's some great scenes in it as well. Like there's. Um, yeah, the, the, oh, the kind of actually. Oh, it's it's when they're reliving because um, because part of the plot hinges on a character not saying what they meant to say, and when they relive that moment they're, and they're doing like a mock cross examination, it's a fantastic scene. It's a classic Sorkin yeah. written scene, and he was able to direct it like with this similar to how Danny Boyle did and Steve Jobs. It's also such a specific um thing to communicate filmically and i could easily see a lisa writer giving up on that scene and just trying to to communicate the same idea in a similar way to to make a compelling scene where the end of the scene is essentially you fumbled your words and said something when you meant something else that sounds like a nightmare to screenwrite (laughs) you know what i mean it (laughs) sounds boring it sounds boring it sounds silly but it's not it's very compelling um but should we say what it's what it's all about i think we've who wants to to take it Go, Aaron. No. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, so basically the trial of the Chicago 7 is about um, seven representatives from various groups who are charged with... Inciting a riot. Inciting a riot at the 1986... 86? No, that feels too late. Is it 68. 1968, thank you. Yeah, the Sorry. number's right. <laughs> 1968 um, Democratic National Convention um, where they're basically uh, going to elect some guy who's very unpopular with uh, a lot of the, the uh, left-wing uh political people who are against the vietnam war so they basically organize a protest at this event at which um there's like a a peaceful protest yeah peaceful protest with the rights to do yeah um but the protests turn violent uh largely as a result of the police action in the city and um the sort of leaders of the protest uh, charged with inciting a riot and the film basically follows uh, sort of uh, cutting between scenes from the protests and also their trial basically um, in which they're basically prevented from being able to yeah. present a case in a free and open court as one would hope. Because the, the whole thing of the, the Chicago 7 is that it was very much they were it, it was a um like a symbolic thing essentially it was um yeah that they, they were you know it, it was a trial by public eye kind of thing and they, they just wanted to have a very public like look how we're taking down these hippies kind of thing uh, yeah it's an incredibly well-written film great cast as well um sasha baron cohen's nominated best supporting actor but you got josh gordon levitt michael keaton shows up john carroll lynch uh frank langella is horrifying in the movie as the judge um eddie redmayne mark rylance fucking so good um yeah 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 the 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 cast is is phenomenal and was rylance nominated for anything uh no that sucks although i don't i mean i guess i would nominate him for best supporting actor as Mm. well is there a lead actor is eddie redmayne the main character in this movie well i mean i don't know we'd have to like sasha baron cohen's kind of the only one that's been singled out but that's for supporting yeah yeah uh yeah yeah i so as the uh, resident actor as the resident actor uh <laughs> yeah i don't know if i want to talk necessarily about performance so much i thought it was like a good performance by sasha baron cohen but i wasn't like blown away by yeah, it yeah i i was blown away by frank langella as the judge and mark rylance yeah. as the um as their attorney 
But Sasha Rokot, I was like, yeah, it's just because cool. he's British and he's doing a really good American yeah, accent. Yeah, well, because he did Borat in the same year. It's like, yeah. yeah. Look at the yeah, range. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him. He can do one weird accent to another sort of weird <laughs> accent. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I don't know if I agree necessarily with him doing an amazing American accent. Having heard his British accent recently for kind of the first time, I was like, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not yeah. that good. Yeah. Um, is it? Is it more that? Um, and this was in the trailers, but I feel like it. It was maybe a famous line from the case where he's like, "Give me a moment, friend. I've never been put on trial for my thoughts before." Mm. Yeah. Like that feels like a an Oscar winning line. Yeah, you know yeah I mean? it feels like a sort of <laughs> uh, vaguely like not virtuoso performance, but you know, like it's kind of that one of those larger than life fun yeah. performances where you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Hey, yeah, fabulous!" Like. For me, there are a couple of scenes in there that are like kind of too goofy in a mm. way. Like there's one scene where Sacha Baron Cohen and his like stoner hippie friend yeah. are like walking into a, the court. Someone throws an egg at them and he like catches the egg and he's like, you don't know what to do with it, do you? And I was like, just don't put yeah. it in, man. No, what do we need it, it for this scene? It is funny that you bring up the kind of some of the absurdity of it because some of it was like dial back uh, and a lot of it like there is the the, the film has a very like woohoo kind of ending where um just gordon levitt no it's not um sorry ed redmayne reads out like lists of all the people who have died in vietnam and that didn't happen um but it's very much like the big victory at the end of the film um but uh yaya abdul mateen's uh character um who He's the eighth member of the Chicago Seven, and he was put there essentially just like you know by the 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 prosecutors, just so it's like oh, and we're prosecuting a black guy as well. Um, and it was very much like he had nothing to do with any of them, but he was like forced there. He was there without his constitutional right to representation. The judge wasn't hearing any of it, and then he kept on trying to speak up, being like, "I I have a right to an attorney, and you're like not giving me that right." and the judge gets him sent out, roughed up, and then is forced to appear in court, like bound and gagged. And you're like, "Fuck, that's like messed up." In real life, he did that for he, he had to do that for a week. What? Yeah. And so, like, like every day for a week, he had, he's like, "You can't appear in my courtroom unless you're bound and gagged." Fuck. And it's and but a lot of these things and, and all the the insane calls that the judge makes actually help to overturn some of the convictions later on when they when they appealed because it's like yeah actually this judge was being a fucking dick yeah wasn't um, there like i feel like there's a statistic they have at the end which is like 70 yeah, percent of yeah. people appearing in front of the judge yeah. like rated him unfit to be on the bar yeah. or something no it was it was like other judges did oh. like other legal e- experts Jesus. like said that he was incompetent yeah. so it's a I'm fantastic sure performance though to be fair I think I think the reason I like this movie so much, and it is it's very Sorkin, it's a very Sorkin reason, is that it's so emotionally charged. Mm. Out of any of the Oscar nominations that I've seen this year, I don't think, or even any of the films I've seen the last year, I don't think I've found myself more angry and more like thirsty to see justice prevail mm. than watching this movie, especially like coming out of the Black Lives Matter protests and things like that. Like it's a movie, yeah, well, because the film's about police exactly, brutality. and it. It's so fucking anti-cop. My God, the amount they can't. This is like the most anti-cop, like mainstream blockbuster I think I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and I think because of that, I feel so motivated. Like I'm, I'm constantly engaging with the movie emotionally because of how angry or happy or excited or you know the fire in my belly is a light i yeah. guess watching it movie. is um it's it's insane because also mank as well it has a lot of like trumpian election kind of mm. um things going on around it and um yeah and, and this then this obviously you know the p- police brutality and 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 all this talk of like protests and who's who's responsible for inciting riots is it the the protesters or the police and it's like God, I mean, this script was written in 2007 and it's about something that happened in 1968. And it's like, why are these things still relevant in 2020? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, they shouldn't be relevant from 2007. But yeah, the, the fact that it goes back even further. Because it was originally, um, it was, Spielberg was going to be directing it in 2007, but then the Writers Guild um, strike happened and he was going to have it cast like mostly unknowns kind of thing. And then Sorkin just held on to the script for 13 years. Wow. Um, 
but yeah great film and also one thing i love about this as well because they 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 bring in the former secretary of defense to come in and they cast michael keaton for this tiny role and it and it's one of those cool castings where it's like it immediately tells you the gravitas of this character yeah um true yeah yeah, yeah. it's great and and he's and he's fantastic in it and it's it's such a great like many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wagovi and zepbound for those who qualify Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Bit part for him. Yeah, that's true. It is a, that actually is a, is a very good point. Yeah. Um, picking, picking someone like that to fulfill a role like that. Uh, I feel like I was going to have a point about that, but I actually don't think I do. One thing I love it. It's great. It's good. One thing I will say about the film, and like I don't think I'm as pro it as you guys. Like I think the message is incredibly important, and I think the sort of things that it discusses is important. And I agree a hundred percent with you, AJ. Like I was viscerally like angry about what's happening in the courtroom, but I guess for me it was like it felt like a really good story, like well told, but not like you know, this is incredible, exceptional filmmaking. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you I think feel it was like, well written, but the wasted on a director like Sorkin. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Get out of the game, man. Stop taking it from good directors. <laughs> nah, but I don't know. There was something about it that just didn't take it over the edge for me. You know, like it sort of felt a bit like sort of spotlight or, you know, one of those kind of past movies that's like Oscar. I, I think, yeah, I, I would say it's a little bit more like Hark, it, it's has that kind of like Forrest Gump kind of feel to a bit more than Spotlight. Like Spotlight is, is very like flat kind of in, in a way, but yeah. like in, in, a, in a good way. Whereas this is a lot more like you feel inspired watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess it is sort of in that kind of Forrest Gump vein, which is like, it's a great movie. And like in this particular instance, it's kind of about challenging issues, but it, the movie itself doesn't feel challenging to watch. You know what I mean? Like it sort of it feels inspiring rather than challenging. Like they and put another sure. couple of hours on it. You're like, <laughs> fuck, this is a real slog to get through. Yeah, yeah exactly. I want it to be harder. <laughs> no, nah, but I don't know. I guess yeah, yeah. It's like it's really good storytelling, um, and it's an important message. But uh, yeah, it just feels a bit Americanized to me in some way like it feels kind of yeah it's sanitized and stuff like 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 the thing at the end how he reads out the names yeah um and it ends with like order in my court order yeah, in my yeah, court. yeah, yeah. And that, that's very like a very hollywood ending yeah um but yeah like overall yeah i i really like this film yeah and um, you should watch this film because it's about important stuff man yeah so Final film. I would argue, is it, is it the most, is it the front runner for best picture? Uh, do no. we have a front runner No, we yet? do have a front runner. It's Nomadland. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but <laughs> it, it, if it's not Nomadland, it's Trial of the Chicago 7. Those are the, the yeah, it's, it's, it's it one of those things like that's like, the- yeah, th- those are like first and second, but it's like, it's like my feelings for Minari and Mank. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. yeah, they're next to each other, but come on. <laughs> come um, on. Right. Yeah. I haven't seen Nomadland yet. Uh, well, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. But yeah, that, that, it's it's won every award kind of thing. It's it's one of, it's one of those ones right. where it's like whether or not it's the best film, it's just like the the path it's on is leads straight to victory. Yeah. Um. So last film to talk about. Um. Now, so AJ and I obviously have had the same, but Aaron, you had to you move your rankings around a little bit. Last film we've got is Sound of Metal. Is that your favorite one? Oh or? yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Holy. <laughs> Holy yeah, man. shit. <laughs> Holy shit, right? This movie's it, like, it is breathtaking, yeah. Yeah. I thought. This so this is, yeah. this is Sound of Metal, uh, directed by uh, the directorial debut, I believe, of uh, Darius Marder. No, I think it's... Oh, no, you're right. You're 100% right. Because he wrote something in like 2012 or something, right? Uh, yeah, Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah. This um, is the movie where, you know, before where I was like watching Mank and I was like, why do we make movies? Yeah. Are they even good? And I was halfway through this movie and I thought about thinking that and I was like, 
yeah, they are fucking good. And this was it looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ah, what a great way to put it, Aaron. Totally. This is so. This is about a. I'll I'll take this yeah. one, fellas. Uh, this one is about a uh, drummer in like a metal band. Um, his girlfriend is the lead singer. Um, yeah, and they're, they're the, like a duo. The, yeah yeah sure yeah yeah and they're both like very clearly passionate about their music and then one day the main character uh just goes deaf he loses his hearing Mm. and the remainder of the movie is essentially about a deaf man coming to terms with that and trying to heal um when you know the the thing that was essential to his livelihood and his passion and his art and his will to live Mm. has been taken away from him And, and it's um yeah, and so and so he moves into this this community, um, and so it stars Riz Ahmed as as Ruben, the main character, and um, Olivia Cook plays uh, his girlfriend, and uh, a guy called Paul Rassi plays like the leader of the community, and like Sound of Metal is like a textbook. It's it, it's one of those things, and maybe it's because of the it's the year of COVID and and not much came out, but Sound of Metal is like your quintessential actually the best movie of the year but gets snubbed for the oscars kind of thing yeah, yeah, and so yeah. it was so cool to see it and then it's like yeah riz ahmed um like performance of the year but then also supporting performance of the year paul rassi man so what a good, fucking man. incredible performance yeah man. um mm. and again it's like he does have that oscar scene kind of but the oscar scene isn't it's it's spoilers for sound of metal but it's when um Ruben is forced to leave the community and, and, and um, Paul Rousey's character is is kicking him out. And, you know, it, it's one of those classic, uh, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Almost Famous where it's like, you could read this script and be like, and be like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, I'm going to really tell him to get fucked and get out of here. Or, you know, you could read it and like Philip Seymour Hoffman did in that scene in Almost Famous is like, you read that and you go like, no, like he's he's hurt. He's really hurt and he doesn't want to have to do this. Because there's and a it, scene earlier on as well that kind of, talks about that right where he's like you know you've become a huge part of this community we'd really love you to stay and like join it so it's like yeah it kind of there are kind of breadcrumbs towards that scene in like a way yeah. that's like this is how you should play the scene and it's so good man yeah, yeah. and because there there is like um because there's kind of like it's become a more mainstream ideal now but that like you know deaf people and that's kind of what the film is about is that like deaf people don't think there's anything wrong with themselves and that they're able to lead these like perfectly rich lives without being able to hear. And it's kind of like the movie shows you that and it has like a really, um, well, I guess sympathetic's not the right word, but it has that like a, you know, really honest and, and loving portrayal of the deaf community. But from the, uh, from the perspective of someone who kind of like doesn't get it mm. or, or at least not yet, mm um yeah 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 and i'd say that that paul rassi is so that oscar scene that you mentioned richard one of the reasons i love that is because it it answered a i don't want to say plot hole but a question that i felt was being avoided in the movie because essentially riz ahmed uh, ruben gets an operation that will give him an approximation of his hearing back um and that's yeah, he gets a, a hearing aid. yeah a hearing aid and, and and that's why he's kicked out and the whole the whole movie the you know leading up to this i'm thinking like it's his right of course like i would do that it's so annoying like why would anyone tell him he shouldn't do it and then when he gets kicked out paul rassi's essentially says like i'm paraphrasing but he says like I, we don't want people to think there's anything wrong with them. Mm. And so if you are here having, quote-unquote, cured your deafness, people are going to fall back because they can't afford the surgery and will now go from seeing themselves as living full lives to living with an ailment. Uh, it's it's really good. And I thought the... Um, sort of the the final act of the film as well, which is post... Final fucking getting, shot of the film. My God. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, after he gets his hearing aids and it's sort of like it's like this bitter sweetness because they're not they're not perfect and he's it's sort of him like adjusting to society and it's it's nothing bombastic like his girlfriend doesn't leave him or anything crazy like well, that it's just she does. it's it's just well no she, the, they, they, yeah, i think a, the thing about that is like she doesn't leave him and that's far more interesting than like because when she when she basically yeah. drops him off at the center um 
for addiction for deaf people, you kind of get the sense that like she's probably going to go and weigh and betray him with someone else. But then the kind of the actual ending of the movie is like them realizing that although they helped each other to kind of heal, they're better off without each other. Yeah, which I think is because they were they were drug addicts together, and then they kind of essentially both separately got clean. Yeah, and I think realizing that's like maybe the only thing we had in common was drugs. No, no, because he's been he's been clean for four years so i think the 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 suggestion is like she kind of helped him to get clean and he helped her to kind of stop cutting herself um but they weren't necessarily after that healthy people um because of just the way that they interact with each other and their kind of personal habits i guess but yeah i just think that scene in bed where he kind of realizes that she's not really in love with him and that he realizes that maybe their lives would be better if they were separated is so amazing like you basically see it in like you know two seconds him his realization of like yeah this is honestly if you haven't seen this movie just go out and watch it right now it's incredible and like the the kind of the thing i said about this film and that it was like for me it was like it was almost like a twist for the film is that because throughout the whole movie it's like you know he like sells his car to get money to to pay for the surgery and stuff like that and it's like the whole the movie is about addiction and it's like and kind of it's the moment he's been kicked out but it's like you really actually need to take a look at yourself um and think about what you've been doing and how it's been hurting people around you because you're so desperate to get your hearing back and it's like fuck yeah he's like this he's behaving like an addict yeah he's addicted to hearing and and well exactly because hearing um and it's not necessarily drugs hearing is in this film is used as to represent something you used to have that you loved and that you maybe took for granted Mm. that you don't have anymore because there's nothing wrong with being a deaf person and wishing you could still hear but there is something distinctly unhealthy about coveting something you can never get back you know and this is a movie that addresses that and and says the key is not to get it back but to find a way to heal and live your life going forward and like i've quietly been very afraid of losing my hearing Mm. and when i said before that i think i'm going deaf i'm not actually but like I've I've often thought like man it would suck to go deaf. This movie made me less scared of going deaf. Like the the premise for this movie was I was like that sounds horrifying. But at the end of the movie when you he just seems so at like this kind of it's like he's at peace but it's this um disgruntled uh cynical peace and it's like I don't know. It made me feel less afraid mm, <laughs> of, yeah. of that something like that happening. Well, that's kind of the nature of the movie, right? Is you know, yeah, that ability to accept change, you know, and 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 I guess I think they say it in like Alcoholics Anonymous, right? To to accept the things I know I can't change. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just like yeah, he's kind of this character who's like desperate to kind of control his world in a way, and that's not really coming to terms with addiction or that's not really conquering your addiction if your entire life requires you to just like control every aspect of it in order to not take heroin and it's like yeah and it's the whole and like just the the like bargaining and and all these like different roundabout ways he tries to to go through these things and it's just like yeah this is just really unhealthy um but yeah incredible as a directorial debut this this i hope this one's best sound because you have it's, to think so. The, the whole story is told through sound design. Yeah. And it's, and it's really intelligently picking moments when to get inside his head and, you know, not be able to hear anything. And the way it kind of shows what you hear through a hearing aid um, and then like what his kind of, as he's losing it, but not quite deaf, um, what all those sound like. But yeah, man, this is such a good so good and such a good performance as well like Mm. you know he basically anchors the film a two-hour film and it's basically just him kind of reacting to things and like talking as well i guess but you know a large amount is like from what's not said and also like man some of the choices are just so interesting eh? like i don't know i haven't seen a great body of his work but He's he's shredded in this movie, yeah. like absolutely jacked, and like <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't scream of something that's like specified in the screenplay of like you have to be jacked in order yeah. to play this role, yeah. but it's like 
it's such a good choice because you know it, it shows his kind of uh, almost militant power. It commitment. Speaks to his power. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, it also and, and like the control he has over his own body. Yeah, like exactly. What, the standards yeah. he sets for his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that kind of militant commitment to like you know he's an addict, so he's going to control his addiction by being like super healthy, yeah. which is just like amazing and how much it says about this person who's still like clearly on the cusp of being an addict because yeah. he's now addicted to being healthy and, and he's also like yeah because you see it's like it's getting ready routine and it's very like you know it does push-ups and yeah smoothies and whatnot and it's um and also because he's jack but he, he's also quite wiry yeah um yeah Man, and the Riz Ahmed style, baby. Yeah. But he, um, I mean, you'd hope any other year, you'd hope that he would be uh, winning best uh, actor, but he is up against um, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rady's Black Bottom, which is essentially in the bag for him. You think because of. Really? Have you seen the movie? Uh, I have. He's very good in it, but I don't yeah. think the movie is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really, I, I, I really want you to watch it. I'm, really, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, totally. Um, mm. because it's, yes. it's a very stage <laughs> movie. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, oh, because it is based on a play. someone. On a play. Someone thought Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was better than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you talking cool. about? It yeah. was a but great what, movie. What else is? Yeah. What else is Sound of Metal nominated? Uh, so Sound for? of Metal is nominated for. Um, Picture, actor, supporting actor for Riz Ahmed Paul Rasi. Uh, original screenplay, film editing, and best sound. Nice. Well, I hope it wins all of them. <laughs> um, shall we wrap up part one here then? Yeah, I mean, well, we don't have any more movies to talk about. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, So you guys haven't seen any of the other four at the moment, have you? No. No, no I haven't yet, no. <laughs> better wrap this up quick <laughs> uh, so we will be covering the other four movies uh, in two weeks time so tune in for cheat sheet part two uh and yeah um if you liked this episode then please uh consider supporting cop option either through patreon or through uh, just being a supportive fan, which you can do all over the place on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, um, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we've also got a Discord server that you can join, and we've also got a Patreon, as I said before, patreon.com slash Um We're on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. Follow me on TikTok. I'm begging you. <laughs> uh, that's Cole Popsha and AJ from Cole Popsha on TikTok. Um, and... Yeah, any final thoughts? Do you, out of any of the four films we've talked about so far, are any awards in the bag for any of these four films? Uh, I, I would say best sound for... Uh, probably best sound for Sound of Metal and best... I would mm-hmm. say best screenplay for Chicago 7. Mm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, that, yeah they'll, they'll be the yeah. ones I'd, I'd hope for. Nice. Cool. Well, all right, everybody. We'll see you next time and stay tuned for the post credit scene yeah. after this music. Thank you for taking playing. the lion's share of the uh, the outro because it was, things were very loud where Aaron and I are. Uh, they're still happening. They are. Oh, yeah. It's still they're going still on, baby. <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, we'll see enjoy you next week for the little bit. Enjoy movie, the Oscar me. season. There. Here's the yeah. fancy Oscars music. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the post credit scene. This is the scene at the end of each episode where we discuss a thing together that is submitted to us by our Patreon. If you uh, want to be involved in this, you can donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash and you get to contribute to the post credit scene. And today's post credit scene comes to us from Craig Major, um, and he asks, what is the best film that you'll never, ever watch again? <laughs> Do you have an um, answer for this? Well, I, there's, you know, there's a few ways of answering this because I, I think obviously the kind of the the answer is the answers he's kind of looking for are like Requiem for a Dream, um, mm. which you know I love that movie. I've, I've actually I've seen it a few times, but um, about to watch it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would happily watch it again. <laughs> just, <laughs> just try and stop me, Craig. But um. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but I, I I actually feel like my, my answer for this is probably more accurately like 
a film that I really liked that I'm just never going to get around to watching again. <laughs> um, because because I I've I I distinctly remember one night um, watching. I was going to watch a movie. And I was I was trying to decide what to put on. I really felt like watching Big Fish. It's one of my favorite one of my favorite movies of all time. And I was like, oh, I really feel like watching Big Fish. But then I was like, I should I should watch Jaws. I've never seen Jaws. And if I watch Big Fish now, that's like two hours of my life that I could watch a a new movie I haven't seen. Um, and I got and I and I got like sad that I'm I'm never going to see every movie. I'm like, what if I die and I've never seen The Godfather two or I've never seen Jaws? I have now thanks to this podcast. But I I ended up watching Big Fish again because I was like, no, well, <laughs> I should I shouldn't put this pressure on myself to watch every movie ever made. You know, or I shouldn't get down about this. I should you know I should, I should watch Big Fish because I know it makes me happy. Um, but I, there's, there's good films that I'm like like. For instance, I I can't imagine what necessarily circumstances I would watch Minari under again. Hmm. Sure, yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing how how probably most movies that I've liked I probably won't watch again. Yeah. Like I barely ever rewatch movies now, and I can't imagine myself necessarily going out to to do that. But um, in terms of answering the question for what I think he was trying to get at, which was like, mm. oh my God, that was horrifying. I'm never going to watch Salo, that again. You? No, I was actually going to say uh, Gus Van Sant's Elephant. Oh, Have you heard yeah. of Elephant? Yeah, I yeah. saw that movie a couple School years shooting back. shooting film, right? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of borderline a spoiler, but there you go. Um, it's it's just it's a very well-made film about a very distressing topic. Uh, and so... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'll ever watch that again, but I remember being, being very impressed by it. Um, I would have said the same about Hereditary and Midsummer, but then they kind of became, um, too popular for me to avoid and everyone mm. around me was watching them at one point or another. Um, but yeah, and also of course, Salo, 120 Days of Sodom. Do you know what? The, I could the, see myself the, watching the Salo film which again. you, um, take every opportunity to mention that you've seen. It's I don't know. I could see myself. You're about to say it's great, but I feel like you can't in good conscience say it's great. It's great. (laughs) Salo, 120 Days of Sodom is a good, a great movie. (laughs) 